Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week 10, day 2 of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 27, 13 through 26. Well, welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I want to encourage you to read the book of Acts 10 times in 10 weeks. This is our last week. And so if you're just joining us, I encourage you to read the book of Acts this one week, but then maybe even go back and listen to the book of Acts starting at the beginning and read it once a week. You, if you if you commute every day, there's the Bible app. You can have it read to you as you drive and then you know read it on the way to work and listen to the podcast on the way home or vice versa. But I really do. I encourage you to, to listen to the book of Acts once a week for the 10 weeks that we go through this, it really will transform how you encounter God's word. All right, with that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with a knowledge of you. We want to encounter you in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. to be reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 27, starting in verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force, called a northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. They passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid that we would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. So immediately after they leave the island of Crete, things go very, very badly. <clears throat> and and I'm sure the original text doesn't say hurricane. That's really only a North American word. We're the only people in the world that call giant ocean storms hurricanes. But what he's saying is like there's gale force winds. There's, this is a massive storm. And the problem is they can't sail into it anymore. It's like I said, you can make these, these zigzag patterns and sail into the wind if the wind isn't too strong. But eventually you get to where you can't sail into it no matter what you do. And so they lower the sails. They're getting battered. So they lowered the sails. And they're just essentially now captive to this storm and they're kind of stuck in the middle of it. And so it's just taking them. And so they're getting battered back and forth. And the hope here is, is they just ride it out. The storm will move past them. Like the storm's moving faster than them. And so they'll get left behind as the storm moves on. What we see here is unfortunately the storm actually has got them stuck in the middle of it. And they're actually traveling at the speed of the storm now. And so that's why right in the, the they pull the lifeboats on on board because they're afraid the lifeboats are going to break off the the ropes and the and the rigging that's holding the lifeboats on they're afraid that they're going to go and they don't want to lose the lifeboats so they actually bring them onto the deck <clears throat> making the deck almost unusable um they're tying ropes around the the hull of the ship because they're getting slammed so hard they're afraid that actually like the violence of them coming up a wave and then crashing down over and over and over again is actually going to splinter the wood. If you've never seen a video, if you've never been on a ship or seen a video of a ship in rough seas, like really, really rough seas, 
you should, you know, go on YouTube and, and, and look at some videos of what it's like when ships are going through really rough seas. And we have to imagine these were big ships back then. Um, I've, I've heard it said that the Romans and these kinds of ships, that these were the biggest ships built for the better part of like 1700, 1800 years. So more than likely the ships that these, the Romans built that Paul is on, they might've actually been bigger. There's some evidence that they were actually bigger than say like Columbus's ships. So these are big ships. They're not small, but by modern standards, they're, they're miniature, right? By modern still hold ships that we build now, these were actually quite small. And so you, when you, if you see ocean liners or uh, cargo ships going through rough seas, it's really remarkable to see the beating these things take as they go up and down these massive waves in the middle of these storms. So to think about a a relatively little ship compared to what we build today, it's it's amazing to think about the violence this thing must have undergone. That it's it kept sailing, um, but they're actually passing ropes underneath big giant ropes. They're rigging ropes to make sure that, and, and they're tying it together and, you know, they're using come alongs and winches to make sure that this thing is like really taut to keep the whole thing from breaking apart. That's how violent this is. I can't imagine how sick everyone had to have been. <clears throat> um, let's continue on verse 17. Uh, the men hoisted the lifeboats aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. I, I forgot to mention that the sea anchor, right, is, is essentially just kind of like a break. They can, it's not going to drag the bottom. They're too deep for any anchor to touch the bottom, but this is a special anchor that's going to create a lot of drag and it's going to slow them down. So the idea is they're trying to create this drag in the water so that this hopefully fast moving storm will outpace them and they'll get left behind if they can just slow themselves down. We're going to see that it doesn't really work. Verse 18, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo Overboard. I mean, half the idea behind this ship is they've got people that are are you know buying passage, but it might be that the cargo um, they're making more money off the cargo, and certainly the cargo is worth probably a lot more than the people on board monetarily, right? So this is a big deal. When they start throwing the cargo overboard, it means they're afraid that they're sitting too low in the water. And that uh, they're afraid that they're going to, as the boat's rocking back and forth, it's getting more violent. They're afraid as they're rocking back and forth, the water is going to start to to lap over the the sides of the deck and then fill up the boat, and then they'll they'll continue to sink until the whole boat just sinks. So they want to they want to lower the amount of draft in the water, and raise the boat up. So they start throwing the cargo overboard to to get themselves out of the water a little bit more. Um, the next step is, is pretty crazy. Verse 19, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Where the tackle is, <clears throat> as you're out to sea, if you want fresh food, you got to be fishing. You've got to be catching fish off the side of the boat as you're sailing along if you want to eat something fresh. Everything else on board is some kind of grain, something that can be preserved. We know that in ancient ships, they used to take meat 
kind of make jerky out of it and then pack it in. They would have barrels of salt and they would pack the meat in the barrels of salt and that would preserve things like meat and things like that. But I mean, it was very, I'm sure very low quality jerky. It was, it was maybe kind of tasty, but tough and kind of subsistence kind of thing. So if you wanted a a good fresh meal, you would have caught fish and they would have probably tried to eat more fish than anything else as they're sailing along. And so they realize they've already thrown the cargo overboard. Now they throw the tackle, right? The tackle, I'm sure, weighed a bunch, but nothing near what the cargo weighed. And probably in, in reality, I would imagine somewhere negligible to the overall weight of the ship, but they're doing everything they can to lighten the burden of the ship. So Luke is saying they threw the tackle over with their own hands, right? It wasn't somebody decided to, you know, say, oh, oh, we've got to like lose some weight and some non-crewmates decided, hey, this is something we can throw overboard, not understanding what it was. No, the crew understands what this is and they threw it over with their own hands. This wasn't a decision from ignorance. This is, we're not eating again on this ship and we understand that. Verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They know that they're not getting out of this storm with the ship. Verse 21. After they'd gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have been spared, then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Nana, 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 I told you so. But now we've got to do something different. <laughs> Verse 22. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So Paul is telling him, you should have listened to me, but here's here's the thing. The ship is definitely going to be lost. We've already lost the cargo. I don't know that any of them at this point care that much about the ship. I think they already think that they're all going to die at sea. And Paul is saying, listen, I am going, the whole, this whole thing is about the Lord wanting me to stand trial before Caesar. And because I'm on board, essentially the angel is telling him, because I'm on board, he's going to spare all of your lives, right? This ship would have been lost. All of the people would have died had it not been for Paul on board. Now, this is no small point. This strikes me. Every time I read this, I'm like, this is amazing because the angel doesn't say, that the Lord has decided to spare everyone on board. That's not what the angel says. The angel doesn't doesn't say that, hey, the Lord has decided to spare all of these people and also you're going to make it to Rome, so don't worry. The angel says, you're going to Rome and because of you, God has graciously given to you, Paul, all of the people's lives on this ship. Otherwise, they would have died. And as I, I read that over and over again, that, that sinks in that how often do th- our lives spared? How often, because we are somewhere, that the fates of everyone around are changed? 
Because how often do angels actually break in and, and give us this information? It's not often. It's rare. Are the angels there? I believe they are. But how often do we receive this information? I, I think it's quite rare. And so here in this case, Paul gets this little bit of information. The angel tells him, it's because of you, all of these people's lives are going to be spared. They're given to you, Paul. They're given to you. For your sake, all of these people will live. How often is that the case in our lives? Because we are somewhere other people are blessed. Because we're somewhere other people are still alive to this day. Because the Lord shines his favor on us, his, his people, believers, Christians, and those around us are blessed. I, I don't know that there's any way you can quantify that. You can't know that for certain, but this kind of thing, it makes me ask that question. How often might that be true? And if that's true, does that make us think differently about the people that we engage in business with, the people that we encounter on a regular basis? How does that change how we interact with people? If they might be alive, they might be blessed, they might encounter different things because of us being there. It really does make me pause and think about the, the, the weight that God has, the, the weight and the privilege of being redeemed by him, the weight that that carries and the privilege that that carries. <clears throat> Verse uh, 24, and the angel said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Verse 26, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Paul gives them the, the bad news, the ship's going to be lost. The good news, you're all going to live. But again, the bad news is uh, we're going to end up in the water. <laughs> we're going to run aground on some island, and we're going to end up in the water. And uh, again, this is really bad news when you're looking at the water. <laughs> if you're on this ship and you're looking overboard or you're just feeling the way that you're getting tossed around, <clears throat> ending up in the water is not a good thing. This is, this is not encouraging, but he's, he's telling them that you're all going to live. You're all going to live. And we're going to see that, that there's, it's conditional it is conditional, and and um, and that's where when we get into this tomorrow, it 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 really blows me away that the people's lives on board they really are only conditional because of Paul, and we're going to see what happens when some of them try to escape. That that now Paul's words matter, but. For today, that's all we've got. I can't wait to see you next time for the 10-Week Bible Study. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.